0: Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as such we will incur a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he's a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body as well. Now if we put the bits in the horse's mouth so that they will obey us, we direct their body as well. Look at the ships also. Though they are so great and are driven by strong winds, are still directed by a very small rudder whenever the inclination of the pilot desires. So also the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts of great things. See how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. And the tongue is a fire, the very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life as as is set on fire by hell. For every species of beasts and birds, of reptiles and creatures of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by the human race, but no one can tame the tongue. Lord, bless your word. Multiply it in our hearts today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. You ever get bad directions from somebody? Uh, Yeah, everybody said amen. Uh, My, my sister several years ago had her, her youngest son, I guess Denny must be 23 or 24 now, but I went to see her and, and little Denny in the hospital and, and Diane was on drugs as most women are after they've had babies, amen ladies, uh, you, know, you know, and so she was giving me directions and this was in Cincinnati and so she gave me directions to a McDonald's on the river. And so, you know, she gave me these detailed directions, and I followed these directions to the T, and there was no McDonald's on the river. Uh, Unfortunately, Diane was giving me directions to a McDonald's on the river in St. Louis, not not in Cincinnati. And so, her directions weren't good. Uh, All of us have received bad advice in our life. It's worse when it comes from a teacher, or someone in authority. I mean, that, that is the fear as I, as I preach these messages and I talk about these things. You know, these, these are messages that are particularly directed to me because all of my adult life, I have been employed as someone who is paid to give advice. And, you know, some of the people I gave advice to as a lawyer are just getting out now. No, uh, that's a joke. I go see them off and over at the prison. No. I had a professor... Uh, my first year torts class Her- Harry Gerla and uh, he was not my favorite professor of all time and I hope he listens to this sermon online uh, but Harry Gerla ta- taught first year torts and he would go all, uh, ballistic if anyone used the phrase standard of care And when we talked about negligence. Stand, there is no standard of care he would say because it's all about being reasonable and acting reasonably towards everybody else and, and then I became a lawyer and I tried to use Harry Gurla's argument with regard to standard of care and guess what in Ohio there is standards of care And so all of us have had professors or people who have given us bad advice and and good advice. We we want to receive good advice, right? We want to receive and give good advice. We want our words, our conversations to be helpful and not hurtful. Both, Both the conversations that come out of our mouth and what other people say to us. We want building words instilled into our life. Now, now, three weeks ago, as I preached last here, then Pastor Joe and Pastor Christy preached. Don't you appreciate Pastor Joe and Pastor Christy? I, I appreciate. Yeah, give them a hand. I, I appreciate my support staff at this church and my, my joint staff at this church, Pastor Kim and Pastor Josh and, and, and all of those who are in leadership roles. I could go on vacation, and i got to tell you, I didn't worry one bit about this church because, to, to be honest, I'm replaceable, and that's kind of a scary thought, uh, but, but it's true. I mean, I didn't have to worry one bit. I knew everything would be taken care of. I knew that those who preached would do an awesome job, and I appreciate all that, that you folks did while I was gone. But what I talked about before I left the last week was words matter. And the Bible speaks very, very powerfully, very completely about the power of words. And in the creation account, God speaks creation into being. And In other words, it's God's words that, that bring creation into being. Jesus is referred to as the word of God. And, and so words are very important in biblical times and in the biblical writings. The, the, the power of words is extreme. And I, I kind of have a feeling that, that we lose the value of words. Uh, we, we live in an age where words are almost white noise. Some of you got up this morning and you got up to a clock radio that began playing music and sound and, and then you turned on the TV and instantly you're watching TV as you're getting ready and, and then you got into your car and, and, you, and, and once again your radio's playing and, and there's words and there's never any moments of silence and words almost become routine. And we hear words so often they almost become trivial, Several weeks ago, we had an evangelist and he asked what kind of music you listen to on your car radio. To, and I couldn't list any music because I listen to sports radio, all right? I listen to Buckeye Radio out of Columbus. And, and so all I listen to is sports all the time. And then I'm in the car, there's very little quiet time. And, and I think I'm pretty normal that, that we tend to fill our time with words and noise. And, and it tends to help make us almost begin to forget the power of words. You get a break, and some of you may be doing it now, you ever get a break and, and you get, open up your smartphone and you get your Facebook feed, right? and you, you go, you know, you scroll down. I mean, we, we can't even have any dead time. Can I say this? We can't even have dead time in the bathroom anymore because we can Facebook scroll in the restroom, right? <laughs> words fill our life. And they fill our life to an extent that I believe we begin to see words as trivial and unimportant. But the truth of the matter is that words matter. In fact, our words can have an eternal effect. Uh, you, you think about the historical words in history. And, you know, people say things that, 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 that change the course of history. Harriet Beecher Stowe wrote a book called Uncle Tom's Cabin which was a a source, a beginning, a spark for the Civil War. And and legend has it, whether Abraham Lincoln said this or not, but but legend suggests that Lincoln introduced Harriet Beecher Stowe at one point and said, so you're the little woman who started this great big war because of the book that she wrote. Words can have an historic effect. And, And so we remember words like, uh, you know, John F. Kennedy saying, Ike in Berliner, or, or Ronald Reagan saying, tear down this wall. Or uh, some of you older may even remember FDR saying, all we have to fear, fear is fear itself. And, and words like that have a historical impact. But if we look back on our own personal life, there has been personal conversations and personal things that have been said to us that have had an impact on our life. Words matter. All of you, if you're a believer today, there has been someone that has spoken into your life that allowed you to begin the process of believing and trusting God. Sunday school teachers and preachers and and parents and friends and neighbors and aunts and uncles and grandfathers and grandmothers, they've spoken into your life. Words matter. And so James says, don't aspire to be teachers. Uh, because teachers will be held to a stricter judgment. And, and i got to say, I struggle with this passage. Now, now, I want you to know that as I stand before yours as your pastor, I did not aspire to be a pastor. As a matter of fact, before God called me into the ministry, it was the worst thing I could think of being. <laughs> you know, who would want to do that? Now, I can't imagine doing anything else. And so it's not something that I grew up saying, hey, well, maybe I'll try to be a pastor. But, but this says teachers, Any, anybody that invests in the life of someone else. If you're a parent this morning, a grandparent, you're a teacher. If you're a friend, you're a teacher. All of us are teachers. As a matter of fact, Jesus says you are to go and make disciples. The the command of the followers of Jesus is that we make disciples. And so there is this obligation within the life of a believer to be a teacher. So I don't believe James is suggesting that somehow we just don't have any obligation to teach other folks. This is more about taming the tongue and using our words in an appropriate way. You can't say, okay, because of what James has said, I'm going to become a mute. (laughs) Words matter, but we have an obligation and we have responsibility and we have relationship that, that gives us reason to use our words. And so we need to consider how we use them and whether we use them in proper ways. James compares the tongue to a bit in a horse's mouth. You know, just that little bit can, can, can turn that horse's head and, and move that gigantic animal in the direction you want it to go. He compares it to the rudder uh, on, a, on a large ship. It's small, just a little rudder can, can change the direction of that, that ship. He compares it to, to a small flame that starts a forest fire. You know, you think, think about a forest fire. You know, it, it doesn't begin like that, but it begins with a leaf. It begins with a match. begins with a piece of paper. It begins with something very small, and it ignites into something huge. He compares it to wild animals, which can be tamed. But he says the tongue can't be tamed. James says the tongue is restless, evil, and full of deadly poison. And probably the better translation is venom. And so imagine the image of a snake. Who's got the heebie-jeebies now, Right? All right, under everybody's chair is a snake. No, <laughs> you know, Oh, yeah. Uh, I should have said that, should I have? Yeah, no snakes. Makes you wonder why we keep them in our mouths. <laughs> uh, you know, because all these things are true. And all of us have experienced a tongue that's went bad. <laughs> all of us have experienced, and all of us at one point or another have said things, just like me, <laughs> that you should say. See, our words can either build or destroy. Your words, your conversations, the things that come out of your mouth has a power and it can either build up or it can destroy. Now, I've used the phrase, I, I don't know what Joe, if Joe and Christy used this phrase at all, and it's fine if they didn't, but, but I've been using this phrase, intentional theological consideration. That, that I think that's what James does. J- James... I was talking to Dee Green this morning, and she said she has to read through James, and James is almost unsettling because James doesn't spend a whole to- a lot of time in these high issues. He just hits us right where we live. You know, James invites us to this examination of how we live our life if our deeds are consistent with our faith, if our words are consistent with our faith, if our interaction with other people is consistent with our faith. And James dives right in. And and I've used this phrase, intentional theological consideration. He invites us to, to be intentional in examining our lives in practical ways. But it's a theological consideration because we believe... As a community of faith, we've gathered around the Word of God, and we believe that, that God through His Word is giving us a way of life, a way of living that may be different than the way we naturally live, and may be different than some of our neighbors live, and this way of life is better than what we encounter on our own. And so we hold our, our lives up by the light of God's Word and by the God, light of God's revelation through His Holy Spirit, I and mean, by the light of God's revelation through this community of believers and we hold our life up to that and we compare it and, we, and we're and we honest in our evaluation and, and when we fall short we say God how would you have me move, how would you have me change because we believe that if we can find God's way, God's way is better than our way James I believe at the end of chapter 1 at the beginning of chapter 3 is inviting us To an intentional theological consideration of our conversations. Now, are we listening, (laughs) which was the sermon three weeks ago? And and what are we saying? And what is being produced by what we say? So, I want you to think about the conversations you've had in, in the past week with friends, with service people, with family. If those words were seeds, what would be the fruit? So we have this, you know, the importance of of the words that we say. You know, Paul talks about this. He says, let no unwholesome word proceed from your mouth, but only such a word as good for edification, according to the need of the moment, so that it will give grace to those who hear. Now now this word unwholesome means corrupting or corrupted or rotten, like a rotten piece of fruit so let let me, let's put the image. What image best reflects your words this past week? The the one on the left, which is the rotten fruit, or the fresh fruit? And I I want us just to take 60 seconds, 30 to 60 seconds. And I want you to think about some of your conversations, some some of the conversations you've had this past week, and just reflect which of those images best reflect your conversations. 30 to 60 seconds. You know, as a pastor, I live with a a, a piece of passage or a scripture and and I know I'm going to be preaching out of it and I know that that I'm going to be under the scrutiny of the light of my family. Isn't that great? It's great, isn't it, Joe? The light of your family with the scriptures and what you're talking about. So, you know, I I can think back at some of my conversations that haven't been good. You know, I'm not going to lie. When I look back, some haven't been as good as they should be. Um, Last night we were at Bob Evans and and Dylan and Spencer uh, were talking. Uh, to Terry and I, it sounds a lot like fighting, but to them, it's talking, okay? Uh, anybody ever have that? Or, you know, you, we're just talking, Dad. Well, stop talking! Um, I've got to say, those of you younger kids, you'll, you'll use, be quiet, use your inside voice till they become teenagers, and then you will graduate to shut up. I never thought I would, but I did. <laughs> and all the parents with teenagers said, Amen. <laughs> Anyhow, so I, I was getting on. i mean, oh, you guys, you got to talk better. And Dylan says to me, well, what about you, Dad? Yesterday as we were driving from Hamilton, from Westchester, you were yelling things at cars that didn't even make any sense. I can't wait till you go to Trevecca. It was true. You know, it was true. He was right. You know, so, sometimes this past week, my words have not lived up to the standard that I'd want them to live up to. You say, well, it does not matter to the people around me because, you know, when pe- you're yelling at people in the c- other cars, they don't even hear what you're saying. You realize that, right? When, when you're asking questions, what is this guy doing? He is not hearing that question. <laughs> but my boys are hearing that question. And so those words that are proceeding out of my mouth is having an effect on them we go back to the scripture? Paul contrasts these rotten words with the word edification. Um, And this means building up or or literally to build a structure. And and, and I think when you use the word building, you're implying an intention, a purpose, a value, uh, supporting something. You you know, you don't just build haphazard. (laughs) You know, there's an intention to it. So I'd paraphrase Paul this way: "Don't let rotten words come out of your mouth, but only words that build." I think that's the goal. So stop letting rotten words come out of your mouth and use words that build. Now I think it's easy to define, or to, to me, I think we can define rotten words pretty easily: lying, <laughs> you know, slander, wrath, uh, insult, slurs. And I'm going to pause on this one just for a moment. We live in a very complicated, difficult political age. And may God's people never regress to slurs in this conversation. Amen? Uh, I'll go back to a phrase I used three weeks ago. Holy people have holy political dialogues. And if ever did the world need a day for the church to step forward and be the body of Christ and in love have loving, truthful conversations about the issues of today and not be guided or persuaded or misdirected by someone's political agenda but just be the people of God and even in the midst of our congregation maybe be able to have a loving disagreement we need it folks we have got to be the people of God in this political climate, or this country has no hope. Profanity, gossip—all you know, these words are rotten words, and I think most of us know that. And I think we try to guide ourselves away from them. I don't think it's the rotten words that create a problem. I think right words can be wrongly delivered. We can say the right thing, but, but are we saying the right words in, in the right places? Ephesians 4.29 says, according to the deed of the moment. And, and the contemporary English version says it like this. Say the right thing at the right time and help others by what you say. So, so the challenge is to say the right things at the right time. And within that in mind, I, I have some some. You know, practical questions. Is this the proper place for this conversation? Ask yourself, is this the proper place for this conversation? I was at a um, funeral several years ago and I had a pastor friend that was standing next to me in the line. And, and, and this guy was cracking joke after joke on this funeral line. And I'm thinking, this is not the place for this. And you know, and I'm start, you, know you ever get in that situation where somebody's saying something and you're starting to edge away? Is this the proper place? I'm going to give you an opinion and and you can reject it and you can say, Pastor, you're all wet. This is Paul speaking as the Apostle Paul says in one part of Scripture. You know, this is my opinion. Facebook. Some of the conversations we have on Facebook, it's not the place. Um, I've seen some things that you can raise your hair and, and you can't see tone and you can't have a conversation. And, and you could say I'm all wet and I'm an old fogey and all that stuff. And maybe I am. My boys tell me I'm all the time an old, old, fogey guy. I drive for miles with my blinker on <laughs> just because I don't know when I'm going to turn. I want you to know, and, and, and I'll probably get unfriended a lot today. I read your Facebook, and some of it's not appropriate, and we've got to be careful what we're putting out there. Um, does it honor Christ? Does it build? Does it edify, or is it just venting? Is this the proper time for the conversation? Most of you saw on, on when we were on vacation, Dylan got seasickness, and so he um, he was he was he was. Chumming, <laughs> you know what I mean. We was catching a lot of fish because of Dylan's chumming, and um, <laughs> the boat was going in circles. And he got sicker and sicker, and finally he just went down. And so the captain and I carried him in the back room, and and uh, you know it, it got a little frightening. His his pulse dropped from in the 70s to below 50, and it got a little bit scary. A little you know end up in a in a I E R squad and in the an emergency room, but as he got back there, he was still out, the captain smacked him right in the face. <laughs> and, I, you know, I, he said, you know, I looked shocked because when it happened, it kind of really woke me up that this is serious. And, and, and that was completely appropriate. But you know what? If Dylan would have been sleeping on the beach, getting a tan uh, later in the day, and that captain would have came up and smacked him in the face, it wouldn't have been appropriate, Right? As we got into the car, I I sent Terry a text. And go ahead and show this. It said, Dylan got really sick. We had to come in and take him by squad to an ER. I don't think you need to come over. He's doing better already. And this is the response I got from Terry. Have fun. Take some pictures. (laughs) I went, what? And then I realized my phone had been off. And so I was just receiving a text that she had sent before we went out. I showed it to the guy driving the ambulance, he nearly got a kick out of that. <laughs> Terry said have fun, take some pictures. <laughs> Dylan you awake? Uh, is this the proper time for the conversation? Timing is everything. Is my attitude right? I mean, I mean some of our conversations, if we were just, before we said anything, if we were to examine our attitude, I think it'd make a big difference in our tone and the way we deliver the words. I was walking back to the beach from the beach and there was this guy with his family and he had these two boys with him they were little and the wife had the bag and she was going through it and she looked up and yelled across this parking lot at her husband and she said, What dummy put cans in this bag? And of course he said, Not me. You know, oh it's me, I did it. You know, the tone can make a big difference in in our conversation. What is my motivation in this conversation? Is, is the conversation to prove myself right? Is it all about me? Am I, am I listening to the other person? And I'm not going to re preach the sermon from three weeks ago, but listening is so crucial. I can remember several years ago I, when my brother was pastoring in Vandalia, I, I went to the altar and I was praying, and I can't remember what I was praying about. And, and somebody came up and was praying with me, and they told me after that I'm praying that you find a wife. I wasn't looking for a wife. I told Virgil later, if I get married, I'm going to beat that person senseless because that's not what I'm looking for right now. You know, it's important that we listen, that we really understand what's going on. Am I listening to the Holy Spirit in the midst of this conversation? See, I still believe the Spirit leads and guides and wants to indwell us and sanctify our conversations, make our conversations holy, make us say the right things. Do we believe that? That, that in our life, we don't believe that anything is secular or anything is incidental. All of our life is meant to be holy before God. All of your conversations are meant to be holy, sanctified, set apart to God. It's the power of words. And every conversation is an opportunity. Your lunch today with family and friends is an opportunity. Sunday school, small groups was an opportunity. Going to the store is an opportunity. Coffee with a friend, going to a baseball game, taking a walk with a friend. It's an opportunity to plant something eternal. Shoot, Chris, putting your kids to bed at night. Those words you use, you can plant eternity in their very soul. You know, I learned about Jesus before I could even speak, because every night my mom rocked us and sang about Jesus. My mom would still do that to me if I'd let her. (laughs) But I learned about Jesus before I learned anything else. Before I learned the ABCs, I learned about a Jesus that loved me. You know, there's never been any profound moment in my life where I had to discover this truth. It was invested in me early on. And parents with your kids, with your words, you can't invest eternity in their life. You now, Proverbs says, you know, train up a child in the way they will go and they will not depart far from it. That doesn't mean that kids don't have free will, but but there's that plant, that seed that's within them that's always drawing. See, our words can be a source of building grace in the life of others. You know, we've all had that person who at the right time they, they come up around us and they put their arms around us and they encouraged us. You know, words have a high value. And I'd like invite you this morning to, to look at words like, like money. <laughs> you know, when you make a, a large purchase, you know, you weigh using those funds. Amen? <laughs> or you should. What if we saw our words as valuable? And we were careful how we spent them. Now, now some of you are saying, man, this is, this is going to make conversation so hard. <laughs> you know, I'm going to have to use scripture every time I talk. John 3.16 says that we shall not buy milk. Uh, you know, you, every, every conversation has to be sprinkled with scripture. And, and we have to use these and thous, right? See, I think it can be as simple as just getting to know someone a little bit better. See, that's that's part of the discipleship process is learning. You know, building grace may may be developing a friendship by talking about the Reds or the Indians, as painful as that might be. (laughs) The the truth is it doesn't stay there, though, right? We we understand that this building grace and building relationship, there may be a beginning, and and, and there's still always casual conversations, getting to know, uh, showing you care, really caring, (laughs) being interested. And I, and I guess, I, I want to be careful here. Folks, we don't listen because we want to show we care. We listen because we care, right? <laughs> you know, this isn't a sales pitch or a sales, uh, sales device or a sales tool. You know, the people of God love. They will know you by your love. Maybe building grace is just speaking a word of encouragement or uh, calling, speaking a word of caution or speaking a word of direction in the life of another. It may just be simply listening. On vacation, I saw the title of a book called Holy Conversations, and I, I, it's an evangelistic book, a uh, spreading the gospel uh, book. And, uh, but I love the title <laughs> Holy Conversations. As I thought about us as Holiness people. I think holy people have holy conversations, right? Each conversation matters. It, it builds. You know, we don't tear people down. It takes us somewhere. So what would happen in your life if you became intentional in your conversations? In the life of your family, at work, at school? What would happen if you applied intentional theological consideration if you just became intentional purposeful in the use of your words I think it changed a lot of aspects of our life and I think it change our conversation there's this the, the Bible is full, full of stories of of Jesus and, and how many of Jesus's how much of his teaching how many of the stories just revolve around Jesus's conversations with people Nicodemus or the woman at the well you know, I love the story at the woman at the well. How does the conversation Jesus have at the woman with the woman at the well begin? You know, he doesn't begin with scripture. What's he say? "Can I have a drink of water." <laughs> "Can I have a drink of water." You know, pr- pretty simple. But, but this conversation with this woman moves and progresses and Jesus listens and Jesus speaks and Jesus allows God to use the conversation and by the end of the conversation, read it in John 4, by the end of the conversation in John 4 this lady, I, I, I see her as a believer as following Jesus, as accepting Jesus as Messiah and not only that she takes him back to her town and this whole Samaritan town are gathered around Jesus and where did it start? Can I have some water? This extraordinary conversation. I thought about us as with our vision statement. We're we're ordinary people following Jesus. And and I think you could say it like this. Ordinary people following Jesus have extraordinary conversations. (laughs) He lifts the level of our conversations with other folks. It doesn't just become routine. It becomes something. You know, when God touches something, it becomes holy and extraordinary. You know, when God touches our conversations, and I and I and I think that involves our conversations in this place, our conversations in our home, and our conversations out that out there. When, when God touches those conversations, they can become extraordinary. And God can do extraordinary holy things through conversations that, that's guided and directed and given to Him. Stay with me, if you will. It's 12.01 and I'm done. Praise the Lord. My charge to you this week is pretty simple. Go and be intentional. Think about it. Think about what you're saying. Think about your conversations. And I believe as we think, as we consider, as we allow God to guide, as we give God our conversations, we will have extraordinary conversations this week. Lord, bless us, be with us, keep us. Help us, Lord, to use our words wisely. Lord, if there's been anything in this message which was not of you that's that's wrong, will you remove it from their memory? And Lord, may your Holy Spirit do the work and and what I could not do. I love you, Lord. I'm thankful, Lord, for each person in this room, uh, their willingness, Lord, to follow you, to give up part of their day and part of their life, Lord, just to to hear uh, more about you. And Lord, I pray that you will bless that commitment today and just allow us to draw closer to you because of our time together. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless.